afternoon, and welcome to today's episode of the Mario Trump Show Strategy Sessions with hopefully some Nerd Avengers. Um, there are, <laughs> every time I this number gets smaller, it kind of freaks me out. There are 42 days <laughs> left until the 2022 midterm elections, and today we are going to talk about... Uh, protests in Russia and Iran, uh, what they're all about, as well as uh, some terrifying election results in both Sweden and Italy, why uh, we should be concerned about them, certainly in terms of uh, the future of the world, but why Americans should care about them and how they are relevant to the elections in November. Before we get started, though, I wanted to announce to all of you that for the very first time, the Mary Trump show is going to be live on stage at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles on Friday, October 21st, and hopefully it will be the first of many shows. Uh, I'm really excited about this. So we're going to have links in the show notes. Uh, so you can go straight to uh, the page uh, where tickets are on sale. Um, and, you know, like I said, hopefully this will be the first of many. Uh, the, the better we do there, uh, the, the greater the likelihood that there will be other shows in, in a city near you. But if you're in L.A., please uh, come, come say hi. We are going to have an absolute blast. Uh, so I'm going to keep reminding you, I'm going to keep announcing, spread the word, uh, the very first Mary Trump show live on stage in Los Angeles. Again, that's Friday, October 21st. And, um, maybe, maybe there will be a nerd adventure or two, and maybe there will be a special local guest. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, all right. So Norm, hi, how are you? I'm uh, hanging in there. Persevering would be the best word, I think, uh, Mary. You know, when anybody asks me, and I know it's a reflexive thing to say when you're seeing somebody, hi, how are you? When anybody asks me that, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. And yet I ask people anyway. Uh, yeah, I think persevering is the word. Uh, and, huh, there is so much going on here. And I wanted yeah. to shift not shift focused so much, but I wanted to focus on something outside of the United States to help people understand why it's relevant, uh, not just for the future of America and geopolitics, but specifically in terms of these midterms. And I, and, and there, there are four things happening right now. Uh, well, two things have already happened. The elections in Sweden. Yeah. And Italy, um, and the the trend there towards uh, electing far right, putting the far right parties into power. Although I think that this is something that seems to be in in the DNA of Italian politics, uh, because it's not like this is this is something that stopped happening and it's happening again. I mean, there's a pretty clear through line from Mussolini through Berlusconi uh, to the latest uh, charming victor in in the elections, and that would be Georgia Maloney. Uh, but, you know, she's, um, she's worse than, mm. and, than any far-right politician we've seen in the recent past. She is as close to the fascism of Mussolini as you can get. Um, I'm less up to date on what's happening in Sweden, but it's a similar trend, uh, you know, of, of putting into power um, a far right pro autocratic party. And then on the other side of things, we have protests in Iran, which were, um, prompted by the arrest of Masha Amini for wearing a hijab improperly. 
so she's arrested by the morality, so-called morality police, and then beaten to death. Uh, so this has resulted in the deaths of dozens of primarily women protesters in Iran. And then in Russia, we have a situation in which uh, Putin, who is who, getting his ass handed to him in Ukraine, is desperate and um, cornered. So he's conscripted. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I, it's not funny. It's just the absurdity of allowing, you know, one man to have so much power is kind of continues to horrify me. Uh, he's conscripting 300,000 Russian males uh, and restricting travel of Russian males between the ages of 18 and 65. So that's also sparked a mass exodus of eligible male conscriptees. It's, it's uh, prompting other kinds of protests. And uh, Norm, that's a very long-winded intro, but I, I wanted to lay, lay it out for everybody because I want to talk about how the responses of, uh, I mean, a lot, I want to get around to a bunch mm -hmm. of different aspects of this, but I want to start specifically with uh, the reactions of Republican politicians to these events and how it's just one more example of the extent to which they are unfit to be governing a democracy. So uh, let me first step back with the larger array of issues that you've raised. I'm much more worried about Italy than I am about Sweden. Me too. Sweden is going to have a coalition and while the leading party in that coalition is an anti-immigrant, nativist, populist, right-wing party, the coalition is going to put some limits on how far they're going to be able to go to alter society. Right. Um, the government in Italy will be a fascist government. Right. We have a prime minister coming in who has, since she was very young and even now, uh, said... Uh, praiseworthy uh, things over and over about Mussolini. Among other things, she has also said that she would like to stop the ability of same-sex couples to have children and that they ought to visit whether same-sex couples who have adopted children can have those children taken away. Uh, we're looking at uh, something that is very similar to what we saw in the Nazi era uh, and the fascist era. Uh, of course, it was worse in Germany, but this is really awful stuff. But I think there's another part of this that uh, we also have to consider, and it gets to uh, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, this new government could basically bolt from the NATO position on uh, helping Ukraine and supporting Ukraine and could lead to a real fracture in NATO and uh, the way in which we respond to Ukraine. And looking ahead, if the House goes to the Republicans, there are many horrific things that could and would happen. But cutting off American aid to Ukraine by using the power of the purse is one of them. And at this point, we know that the strategic brilliance of the Ukrainian military and of Zelensky uh, has made an enormous difference. The resolve of the Ukrainian people, the training that they've gone through. But we wouldn't be in this place if it weren't for sophisticated American weaponry and weaponry coming from many European countries. Right. If that gets cut off, we could see something very different. And that is extraordinarily uh, worrisome at this point. Uh, now, it's also worrisome because we don't know how Putin will react to what is clearly a disaster for him on the battlefield. And just seeing some of the uh, discussion today, they're dragooning all of these young men into the Russian military. They're not giving them a day of training before they send them to the front lines. They're being told, these new recruits, that all you get from the Russian military is a uniform and a weapon. You're gonna need to get your own clothing, your own sleeping bag, your own yeah. provisions. And I gotta say, if uh, some of these young people have weapons, I will be very surprised if they don't turn them on their own uh, 
uh, military leaders. Well, that's already happened once. Yeah. And it'll happen more. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, a lot of them are just going to want to surrender. Uh, we're probably going to see many of them shot on the battlefield by their own uh, commanders and their own leaders. And it's going to be a catastrophic thing. And of course, we're seeing uh, Russian men fleeing to Finland, uh, to Georgia, to getting out of the country as much as they possibly can. The catastrophe that this is bringing to Russian society, and now it's going to be an even greater one because it's going to spread to a public, many of whom have known only the propaganda coming through Putin's machine, but they're going to start to feel it more. And of course, that's partly why they're only uh, dragooning young men from regions outside of uh, Moscow and, uh, uh, and the other major cities. But we also know they're going to start to pull in Ukrainians uh, yeah. and force them into the military. Uh, you know, the Ukrainians are marching forward. I think they're going to capture a lot more uh, of the Russian weaponry and a lot of Russian soldiers. How they're going to manage all of that, we don't know. Uh, this is a very volatile situation. And as we head to the winter and we still have to worry about Europe and its gas and oil supplies, especially if it's a cold winter, we're facing some real uh potentially significant trauma globally that we're going to feel as well. And that is uh, one of the reasons why the failure for the American media and to some extent uh, American politicians to frame these issues properly is so dangerous, right? Um, you know, I, I was uh, speaking with David Korn recently, who just published the book American Psychosis, which is a book that should be read. Um, and uh, we were talking about Ukraine and I said, you know, it's it's uh, the first domino. If we if Ukraine loses the the uh, implications for that are could be yeah. potentially devastating. And he pushed back a little bit. And I so I reframed it and and said it's not simply if Ukraine loses, if it's if Ukraine loses because the United States failed yeah. to support Ukraine sufficiently which is exactly as you as you pointed to what the republican party uh kind of wants to have happen and the fact that you know these these issues are always uh framed as economic issues like the only thing that matters is if gas prices go up or down and we fail to grapple with the long-term uh political and humanitarian impact of a, a Russian takeover of Ukraine or even uh, the un the disorganized collapse of a Putin regime um, so it's it's another instance in which the conversation here gets co-opted by the Republicans preferred, talking points and yeah. we're seeing this with iran as well you know uh biden is and and his administration are trying mightily <laughs> to restore the joint comprehensive plan of action the jcpoa which limited iran's ability to um create a nu nuclear weapons right the jcpa took a decade over a decade to put into place and it had all sorts of ancillary benefits, which mm -hmm. was the, the increasing westernization of the country, which is a very young country. Uh, and um, just it, it in and of itself, it was a great thing. But again, it also had all sorts of benefits uh, for the Iranian people. Right. Um, which, again, would make the rest of the world safer and increase the democratization of a country that uh, could potentially be dangerous for us in the future. So Donald got rid of it with the wave of his hand uh, without, I know this is going to shock everybody, but without any deep consideration <laughs> of the uh, impact that doing so would have. Um, and, you know, not only did it, did it destroy this incredibly well-crafted and, and well put together uh, plan, but um it also made our allies 
nervous that, oh, wait a second, just because some new guys at the Oval Office, dec a decade's worth of diplomacy could be undone at, at, with a snap of his fingers? That's disturbing. So now we have the Republican Party saying that uh, essentially calling into question Biden's motives, uh, they're trying to have it both ways, right? Um, we have people like, the, the fact that this woman is a senator is just it constantly amazes me. Senator Marsha Blackburn supporting, right, supporting the protests and the women, but basically calling into question the wisdom of reinstating the JCPOA. We have Tom Cotton, another person who shouldn't be anywhere near the levers of power. He should actually be in prison for sedition, saying that Biden wants to support the brave protesters in Iran, but would abandon his efforts to resurrect the nuclear deal that gave billions of dollars to a dictatorial regime with leaders who still chant death to America. So I guess basically uh, what they're saying is, you know, it's it's a bad idea to try to save the planet from nuclear annihilation if it means having to compromise with bad guys and which would then result in their having nuclear weapons or something. I mean, Norm, I, I have such so much trouble following the logic of these people. Uh, no question. What's also clear is they're less concerned about protecting America more generally and more concerned at this point about shoring up those they see as allies who, and this is a part of Donald Trump's legacy, are almost all the most vicious dictators that we have uh, around the planet. Uh, you know, it used to be that even where you had crazies uh, elected to office, the leaders, the people who were on the intelligence committees, the armed services committees, the foreign affairs, foreign relations committees, generally speaking, shared a common purpose, which was to protect America's national security and make sure that we could be uh, a powerful, positive presence in the world. We can't count on any of that anymore because we have a Republican party that's lost its moorings. Yeah. That was true during the Reagan years. At least it was one area where we had some broader consensus. It resulted in the creation of uh, things like the Institute for Peace, uh, the National Republic, uh, the International Republican Institute, the National Democratic Institute, united to try and protect and expand democracy abroad and fight autocracy. And uh, that's just not the case anymore. Uh, it's really, really unsettling uh, with what we see. And again, I would emphasize that the consequences of having a Republican majority in the House, much less in the Senate, and in the Senate, it would have the additional catastrophe of basically uh, blocking Biden in his final two years from being able to have anybody in place in his administration when vacancies occurred or to fill the vacancies that are now there. Uh, and remember, it was Republicans in the Senate who for months blocked uh, having the State Department uh, con uh, uh, confirm officials who were specifically going to focus on aiding Ukraine. There's no longer, uh, the national interest is no longer uh, at the top of their agenda. But the degree to which they could try to hamstring the administration you know, not just impeaching Biden and Merrick Garland and Alejandro Mayorkas, but going after Tony Blinken and probably Lloyd Austin, uh, cutting off the funds, very possibly throwing us into default, which would be absolutely catastrophic, but there are many of them ready, uh, prepared and willing to do so. The consequences of having a Republican majority which remains probably better than even uh, as a probability in the House, are really, really disastrous for the country. This is simply not a responsible political party anymore in its elected officials, much less in people like Ronna Romney McDaniel running the Republican National Committee. And I hope at some point, Mary, we can also talk about the rank corruption that we're seeing in Mississippi, a Republican party that has uh, devastated the state while uh, enriching its top officials.
we can talk about that today. Um, I, I just want to wrap this bit up yeah. first because um, I think there there is there is an argument to be made that what Democrats need to do ahead of uh, the midterms, which are in six weeks, is focus on abortion and reproductive justice. And I don't disagree with that. They yeah. need to hammer that. But they, they not just to explain why it's bad <laughs> that yeah. Dobbs happened, right? And that that tens of millions of women are now second class citizen who do not citizens who do not have ex access to the most rudimentary health care. Uh, yeah. Because let's remember, abortion is health care. It's nothing else. It's health care. Um, but they need to help people realize that adding two Senate, be specific, adding two senators will allow us to do this, get rid of the filibuster, pass the Voting Rights Act, pass, because, you know, I think voting rights and, and, and what's happened with Dobbs are kind of of a piece. Um, it will allow us to, and just make, make the promises so people can stop pretending or stop, you know, swallowing the so-called conventional wisdom that both parties are the same, uh, which unbelievably a lot of people still seem to do. And it's still um, a major theme in all our uh, so-called mainstream media. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it hurts to bring in issues, larger issues about the the future we're looking at. If if Republicans take over um, in the context of of issues like the Italian election of the protests in Iran, which I think are, you know, sp the protests in Iran are specifically related to what happened with Dobbs, because, you know, again, Marsha Blackburn saying that she stands with the women of Iran who are protesting against their oppressors. I'm like, where do you think you live? Yeah, I mean, that's what you guys want for American women. So shut the fuck up. I mean, it, it, you know, and the fact that she's allowed to say that without any pushback is kind of a serious and, and tragic state of affairs. Um, so let's shift, though, to Mississippi, which I swear to God, you know, when I was uh, prepping for the show, I was looking at some uh, the recent recent uh, he, uh, front page pages of major newspapers and, you know, Russia's not on the front page. Iran's yeah. not on the front page. Italy's not on the front You know, a typical American media just yeah. pretending that the rest of the world either doesn't exist or isn't particularly important, even when shit that's going on over there does affect us. Uh, and it would be really useful if American people could understand that. Um, but Mississippi, it last I checked, is still a state in America and not only is there a continuing, um, what's not economic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Environmental, sorry. An environmental catastrophe, yeah. which was avoidable and occurred because of government, not just lack of will, but intent, I would say, because yeah. it's a majority black city. So who the fuck cares? But on top of that, we have this absolutely mind-boggling corruption going on that involves a former governor of Mississippi and the current governor of Mississippi and a rich, famous white guy who have committed massive fraud against the people of Mississippi and, like, they're all just still... Tate Reeves is still governor. Brett Favre is still a rich, famous white guy. What what is going on and how can we stop this insanity from happening? And, you know, it's like the theme of the decade. Hold these fucking people accountable for their massive crimes, which have serious repercussions and also have a lot of victims. A whole lot of victims. And, you know, I, what I fear in Mississippi is, first, they'll get the low hanging fruit. The people at the lower levels and the welfare department and elsewhere yeah, that's always the way, right? carried out this stuff. Um, and that the uh, rich white guys will either walk or get off with a slap of the wrist. 
And that can't happen in this case. There was a total apparently of over $94 billion, million dollars that was siphoned off from money that was supposed to go to the poorest residents of the state. And that means that people couldn't pay their water or electric bills, couldn't get childcare, uh, couldn't get housing assistance, and were basically left in the lurch while this money went to uh, pay traffic tickets or speeding tickets and for fancy cars and all kinds of other things, knowingly that uh, they knew that they were taking money from welfare funds, federal and mostly federal dollars, and using them for these other projects. Brett Favre is a monster, a greedy, disgraceful monster. The first thing that needs to happen right now is to strip him of every bit of recognition as a uh, football star, drum him out of the Hall of Fame, shame him publicly, and then he needs to be prosecuted because he knew exactly what was going on here and he used it for money for himself, for speeches that he never gave, but also to create a volleyball stadium at a university where his daughter played, taking it from the poorest residents, many of whom ended up without food or uh, shelter as a consequence. The former and current governors are racist, corrupt monsters, and they need to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. The fact is, if we're gonna do anything that keeps this kind of corruption from taking place in the future. We have to have examples, people who are held accountable. It is very clear that Mississippi, which is the poorest state in the union, which has been run by Republicans for decades, is not only racist, but is utterly corrupt and incapable of governing and something needs to be done. And let me say along with that, I was listening today to this wonderful reporter, Anna Wolf who has uncovered a lot of this story through her diligent work, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning quality work that may create consequences here. One part of this is that the program that used to be Aid to Families with Dependent Children that has a different name now, federal money going to families uh, in poverty with children, does not have enough in its federal law to guard against having the money misused. Some of that money could be misused within legal boundaries, even if it's utterly immoral and wrong. And so we might expect if they were at, at any level or any way intellectually honest, that the two Republican senators from Mississippi, Cindy Hyde-Smith, Roger Wicker, Roger Wicker, who was chair of the Appropriations Committee, now the ranking member, would be in the forefront saying, we have got to reform this law so that we can hold people accountable. What have we heard from them? Nothing. Nothing. This yeah. is enabling the worst kinds of corruption. And it's now become the signature of the party. It has. And what's so kind of unfathomable, right? I mean, I understand why they're doing it. For the Republican Party, they have they have made the, the very conscious decision to do nothing if the person who did something wrong is in their party. Uh, because I'm assuming the logic is that if, if they go after a Republican governor for being a corrupt, no. evil fraud, then the, the party as a whole will suffer. Whereas I think decent human beings would think, no, it's kind of the opposite, right? I mean, Democrats... They hold their people accountable uh, when, I mean, sometimes too yeah. quickly and sometimes <laughs> without enough, uh, without yeah. enough contemplation <clears throat> or due process, but they do that. And Republicans have decided that that's, uh, you know, weak or ill-advised um, for electoral purposes. Uh, hi, Cliff. Hey. Um, you know, we started talking, uh, we started out talking about Italy the elections in Italy and Sweden and the protests in Russia and Iran. Um, yeah. But, you know, Norm, can I bring it all together? Let me just. Yeah. 
Let me shut up and let you talk. How about that? Well, I would never say shut up. <laughs> um, you're nice. And then, uh, you know, Norm, very rightly, because you're, I, I, I don't know precisely what you're going to say, but I think uh, a theme of a lot of our shows is all of this is of a piece. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it may seem that they're very different, distinct issues, which they are, but they're kind of driven by the same morass of issues where we're drowning in at the moment. So uh, Norm very rightly wanted to shift focus to what's happening in Mississippi because one, because it needs to be paid attention to. It needs, yep. we need a bright, bright light shone upon the uh, the corruption and the criminality and the human suffering that has been deliberately caused by Republican politicians in Mississippi. Um, but again, you know, the larger issue also being what we just what we just ended with, which is that the Republican Party will will never put a stop to any of this because they think that unfettered power is the only way unfettered power with no consequences is the only way that they can stay that they can stay in power despite the fact that they're the minority okay cliff go for it and no, thank well, you for, for coming uh, my pleasure <laughs> thanks for having me here um and thank you for all you said there norm because obviously you know this is this is nowhere we do hear a lot about the celtics coach though and i'm sure that has nothing to do with the color of anybody's skin so in any case, I, I that's weird. Uh, I didn't hear anything about that, but I don't. Uh, we've, there's been a <laughs> cheating scan, you know, a scandal oh. where there's been a what, you know, I mean, at least yeah. comparatively, yeah, yeah, to yeah. what we've heard about Brett Favre, who robbed poor, you know, people that are having trouble. You know, well, Cliff, that's eating. one of the things you, I said. I put it out before you got here. It said I, I there, it's not even on the front page anymore. It, I think Mississippi was on the front page for like a day, and it's nowhere to be seen. The coverage, right? Well. I mean, and so it is of a piece, you know, with all this, and I'll stick to Mississippi. I'll just make the comparison quickly, which is what all of these countries you're talking about have in common, but all these authoritarian, fascist, Soviet in, in, in the past type movements is that the party or the religion or, you, you know, is God. And you cannot ask questions. There is either a zealotry, there's a zealotry that, that is a religious zealotry that is about power. There's a zealotry that the party is all, and that's about power. In Iran, women need to be subjugated because because the men need to have the power, and you can't ask questions. And I'm sure there's no corruption there when that happens. And it's the same with you know with all. It's same with Putin. Putin started, of course, going after Jews, going to start going after the LGBTQ community and the rest because that would he, he, that helped him gain power. It's scapegoating groups and take and and to, to get yourself to power, and then you can do anything. And so, the, so to me, what you're saying right now is exactly right. How is it that Mississippi's had this one party rule, as Norm was pointing to? It's the same reason why for 100 years during Jim Crow, these guys got away with whatever the hell they wanted to. Because as long as you hated black people enough, you could keep getting elected and, as long, and, and you could do whatever you wanted to do as long as you were on the right side of that issue. Now, there may be a couple additional issues to that these days. But as long as you hate Democrats enough, hate minorities enough, hate immigrants enough then you're going to keep getting reelected. I mean, the, the, the obvious example right now is literally right now, somewhere at a truck stop, Ken Paxson stuffing down a burger and some fries while he and the state senator, unless they've caught him yet, have they? Unless he and the state senator wife, you know, this is the attorney general of Texas who was indicted five years ago and nothing's happened. Nothing. The Texas House I mean, should he at Senate least be disbarred? I mean, an, a, an attorney... Not just an attorney general, but a, literally a, a lawyer is <laughs> like fleeing uh, right. from a law lawfully um, <coughs> whatever that word. I can't think of words today. I don't know because no, so much going been on already. Right, a, like a lawfully uh, drawn up subpoena, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And where is the American bar? I know we talked about this before because like Jed Ellis still has her bar license. I mean, law license. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, yes, yeah, suspended, but he still has his law license. And there are dozens of these so-called Kraken idiots <laughs> roaming around. How much, do, what do you need to do? I clearly fleeing right. subpoena. Fleeing a subpoena no. with your state senator wife, you'd think would might be enough for both of you to be impeached. But as long as they hate the right people, 
You can ignore the electric grid and let people freeze. You can get rid of permit, you know, carrying of guns and let any nut and have all these massacres in your schools. You can have bounties on women for having abortions. You can do all that stuff. And, and people will be like, yeah, but, you know, you, you hate Democrats. So it's you hate liberals. So it's OK. I mean, I'll, I'll throw out the one other example that that never got the press. It should have gotten either. Again, we're talking about Republican attorneys general here. OK, the one in South Dakota ran a man down and killed him and likely was drunk. And lied. We don't know, yes, we don't know yet, but he claims he thought he hit a deer. I got to tell you, deer and people look different even at night. So, well, this he, year also had eyeglasses that ah, were inside the car that he had. Correct. So the deer lost its eyeglasses. You could see how yeah. anyone would make that mistake. And he Just drove so, home. For all, everybody out there, you may not know this, but if you know, if you're looking for a career path, uh, deer ophthalmologist is is wide yeah. open for it, you. It's growing. That's it's, a thing. It's like nursing. And, That's it's growing. <laughs> so I mean, if, for people who don't know what I mean, this guy was driving home from a fundraiser. He likely had a couple drinks. He hit somebody who's speeding, hit somebody on the side of the road, didn't stop to look at who it was. And for all we know at this point, again, there were eyeglasses in his car. He probably knew he hit somebody, claimed he thought he hit a deer, and he will never spend a day in jail. He hasn't been prosecuted. The worst thing that happened to him was he was impeached, and literally it was barely because there's so much Republican control there that like 50% of them voted against impeaching him. It was, it was like 51 to 49 or something percent. But just so to- – the, the thing that's mis- that's not mystifying. It's horrific and disgusting. And it shows you just who Republicans are. I mean, you know, they're they're we don't even need to know uh, what their rationale is. We just need to know that they're Republicans and, and automatically they'll do the wrong thing. If, again, they think it benefits their party, just like we don't need to know that Brent Favre did anything um corrupt to know he's a monster he played golf with donald that's all the shorthand you need right but isn't a lot a lot of this seems like it should be law enforcement if you flee the scene of an accident that you caused isn't that a crime that's not something the state legislator gets legislature gets to vote on i mean they can vote on whether or not you stay in office but they can't vote on whether or not you get indicted for something and that's the thing in mississippi go ahead norm i just Going back to South Dakota, Christy Nome, the governor, now under investigation because she used a state plane to do, among other things, going to her son's prom. We know she used her own office to pressure state regulators to give her daughter a license that she didn't deserve. She is utterly corrupt and, you know, nothing has happened so far. Ken Paxton who fled, who was a fugitive from justice, who, by the way, said that he feared for his life, which is why he sent his wife out to start the car. <laughs> get the car he, he, she's the bomb up. tester. Yeah, he has her turn yeah, the ignition. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you put your head above the foxhole, we'll see what happens. Uh, oh he's God. been under indictment for seven fucking years. Exactly, thank still you, Norm. serving in office. In a state, and let's remember that the governor, Greg Abbott, when he was attorney general, was given a $35,000 campaign contribution bribe by Donald Trump to block the investigation that had been recommended by his staff of Trump University, which defrauded thousands of Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this goes on and on. Same thing happened in Florida with Pam Biondi. Pam Biondi, of course, yep. it, it also shows uh, women not getting equal pay for equal work, only got $25,000. <laughs> not even when you commit crimes. <laughs> equal pay for equal bribes. I mean, you know. <laughs> but, you know, both of those things just remind me of this insane push on the right to promote toxic masculinity. You know, you have these very effete people like, and there's nothing wrong with being effete, but people like Ben Shapiro and Josh Hawley <laughs> claiming that they, <laughs> that's right, <laughs> run away, Josh Hawley. Um, <laughs> they, they, they know what medley men are and should be. And that one of the greatest evils in our society is that that gender roles have become confused and people just don't know what men are or what women are. And yet, yeah, we've got Josh Hawley fleeing a mob 
which by the way is a perfectly reasonable thing to do but then pretending he's some tough guy as right. if like that's the be all end all that's right no i mean a capital police officer said she was so angry with him because he was protected by them and was inciting this crowd against yeah. them right and then you have ken paxton uh, who I have no doubt in my mind is a misogynist. Well, he's a Republican, so of course he's a misogynist, hypermasculine creep, <laughs> sending <laughs> his wife in harm's way to turn the car on <laughs> in the event that there's a car bomb. Or Did you see also there was that image because his name came up in the in the news yesterday for other things, Newt Gingrich, which yeah. I find it funny by the way when these guys are the guys trying to attack Fetterman when Fetterman can yeah. walk up to any of them. And pound them through the <laughs> ground, <laughs> but but um with his thumb, yeah. But but Newt Gingrich, there was like an image a couple weeks ago where his wife Callista was in a boot, and he made her get yes. out of the car to get yes. him coffee while he was sitting there, you know, reading. And by boot, <laughs> what he means, he does he doesn't mean the trunk of a car in England. No. She broke <laughs> he her foot, broke and her she foot. had a boot yeah. on it. She had to limp in to get this. I won't say what's coming through my mind about the size of Newt Gingrich. Let's just say this Zeppelin-esque uh, character <laughs> who could have used the few steps. I mean, he's just it, like they, they're all they're, they're tough guys until yeah. none of them served. Although she and certainly saying, knew yeah. what she was signing up for. So, well, yeah, yeah, you know, I think the, it's she's the third one. Once you know that they dumped yeah. the first one with cancer in the hospital and he cheated on you with this, you know, while he was with the second one impeaching Bill Clinton. For an affair, you know, it kind of, yeah. you kind of, the game's been given away. I'm just making the point that you're making, which is like most, mm -hmm. almost all of these guys are yep. such utter cowards. And even the ones who served lie about their service. You know, Tom Cotton, who served, yep. you, you said he was a ranger. He was not an army ranger. He should have just right. been yeah. proud that he'd gone to the ranger school, but apparently right. that wasn't enough. The guy here in Ohio, J.R. Majewski. Majewski, who's hilarious. He comes up, I mean, I guess it's double secret probation or something. <laughs> like he's under. You know, like it's classified that he was, he's a commando. I mean, you know, he was loading planes and cutter, which by the way is honorable service and you should be proud of it, but no. Nothing to lie about. Of course, J did not stop J.D. Evans from uh, campaigning with him. But, you know, let's, Let's shift focus to that because I am kind of tired of the focus being in, in the mainstream media of being on the base. Yes, the Republican base, which there should be a different word because the Republican base and the Democratic base are so vastly different qualitatively that it seems unfair to use the same word to describe them. Because the Republican of uh, the Democratic base is just, you know, generally speaking, decent Americans who want to make the country better for everybody. And the Republican base is a bunch of white supremacist, misogynistic, anti-Semitic, racist, fascists. So they're different. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, so but it, it goes without saying that as long as whoever it is is running is is kissing Donald's ass they'll have the base in their pocket. That's not what's deciding elections. What is it? Why is it that the people who typically are Republican constituents, white suburban women, for example, um, working class white men, what the fuck is it up with them? Like, is none of this stuff breaking through? Or do they really just think that it's better to have Republicans in power well, I don't even know what the rationale. Do yeah. you guys have any insight into what's going on with that? Because it is kind of driving me crazy. Because Norm, as you said earlier, it's kind of up in the air what's going to happen in November. And it may be slightly to the advantage of Republicans right now, which I find unfathomable. So a, a couple of things that have struck me related way this week. Nancy Mace, who is trotted out as the uh, moderate, yeah, yeah. was on uh, cable news all the time, basically said that if it were any Republican against any Democrat, she'd vote for the Republican. Okay. That's the tribal uh, identity, and uh, it's disgraceful. Uh, and it's disgraceful that she's trotted out as a moderate when she is anything but. There's no such thing anymore in the Republican right. Party. The second, yeah. which I find just particularly revolting, was Trey Gowdy saying, referring to the base, that 
you know, it's perfectly legitimate, even if it, you know, what's far right, what's extreme, if people vote for it, that's uh, perfectly okay. That's the, you know, uh, in other words, Hitler was fine, people voted for him. Uh, yeah. It's it's basically justifying fascism. And again, the guy who's on all the time as a mainstream conservative. And this is where we are. And of course, you know, we're going to have a limiting case with this election. Those suburban Republican women and men. And this is where the Dobbs decision, I think, has to be the focal point and why this focus on masculinity, on trans bathrooms, uh, on, you know, Glenn Youngkin trying to run for president now by sticking yeah. it to trans people, which yeah. is now the norm, mm -hmm. but also all of the border stuff all yeah. of the stunts of DeSantis and Abbott. This is all trying to distract from the issue that they know is a complete loser for them. Yeah. It was just a memo sent out by the uh, chair of the Minnesota Republican Party to all of their candidates saying, here's the language you need to use when you get asked about abortion. Abortion is legal till birth in Minnesota. And unless the Minnesota court or the referendum uh, takes it away, it's not an issue here. Let's not talk about it. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to deflect from it in every way that they can. Mm -hmm. And if we see we have two more cases of 10 or 12-year-old girls raped and impregnated in Ohio who had to leave beyond the 10-year-old who went, and there are probably many more we don't even yeah. know about. Sure. We know that women are in danger of losing their lives because doctors won't treat them. We know that the University of Idaho just sent a notice to all of its employees based on the law that passed in Idaho, which of course at the last minute included a ban on uh, abortions for rape, incest, or the life of the mother, saying if you mention abortion, you could be arrested on a felony charge and we're gonna cut out all birth control, all birth control, because we wanna be sure we're not uh, you know, running afoul of the new law. They don't wanna talk about that and if suburban voters don't take that into account, unmasking the kind of absolute, cruel, disgraceful, uh, sadistic behavior that we're seeing in state after state here, uh, and still vote for Republicans who are going to promote that, God help this country even more than we know we need to pray for. Yeah. Go ahead, Cliff. I was going to say, I mean, to me that, you know, the, yes, it should, it, it on its own should, it should be enough. Right. Um, but, you know, Maggie Haberman may be saving it for a book later on what she knows. So, I mean, our reporters don't come out and tell people what they need to know. They, they, they both sides and that, that we've gone through that. I, 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 you know, it's just this recent thing, the last 24 hours with all the usual, all the New York times reporters jumping in and defending as if not telling us something at the time is okay. Because in the end, because Trump lost in the end, so it's okay. Um, it, but so that's why it's up to us to make sure we have to push this message out via progressive media, via when we're on mainstream media, and keep repeating it, and growing our growing our you know our media because people need to know. And to me, the summary of the situation: if people want to know, we want those voters are the ten-year-old that you brought up in Ohio, the the example given by Tudor Dixon, the one running against Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, in in uh, Michigan, who said if a fourteen year old is molested by her uncle, that should be the perfect case where she should have. A, she used that language, perfect case where she should have the child and be proud. And then the case in Nebraska, where a woman's friend spied on her on Facebook, and they gave that information to the state, and they used it to arrest her. Mm -hmm. So, to me, if you want to let people know what the real stakes are, and let them know the kind of police state they're going to be living in about 10-year-olds raped by strangers and forced to have children, 14-year-olds molested by uncles and forced to have children, and other people being spied on through their social media, through who they hang out with, through what their preferences are, you know, in terms of what they do during their spare time. Are they suspect? What, what kind of organizations are they joining? What are they, I mean, these could be reasons why you could be spied on your state and suspected of having an abortion. Let people understand that this is a police state they're creating. And they're using this issue to create a police state. Um, and obviously, this is about women's bodily autonomy, controlling their bodies, and men having no part in that. You're not a ward of the state. So I agree with, with Norm 100% we should be on this. But I also think, again, just 
depending on what we see from the January 6th committee, emphasizing that secondarily because democracy ends up ranking, thankfully, as an issue that's important to a lot of people. And I think the extremism of Republicans, you know, has turned I mean, obviously, we're seeing these poll numbers. We're seeing what happened in Alaska. We're seeing what happened in New York 19. It's obviously having an impact, but it needs to have even more of one because, as you said, Mary, this could go either way. And I'll just say as a last thing, you ask how this happens, it's because they've got this 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 propaganda network and they mm-hmm. use it so effectively and they use their dishonest or you know, lying and messaging so effectively. I'll just say in my office I work in here, I just spoke to say, to somebody literally downstairs 20 minutes ago and you know, leaning towards Democrats, has been a Republican, is kind of one of these, oh, Trump's awful. We need the, them to bring somebody else up besides him, you know, but is that DeSantis? I didn't want to push it that far. But his point was, he was like, oh, we need a real leader and Biden's not a real leader. And so what they're so effective at is <laughs> keeping you hating Democrats, keeping you not seeing the reality of what Democrats are doing for you. The Inflation Reduction Act and, you know, the yeah. stimulus and infrastructure and all this so that is if all things being equal, if you hate everybody and everybody's corrupt and everybody stinks, you'll stick with the tribalism that right. you were brought up with. That's what it is. Yeah, and and again, uh, Democrats somehow, uh, even though they're swimming against the tide of Republican propaganda and media malpractice, have got to figure out a way to make it clear not only what they are doing, and I'm not entirely sure like what the definition of a leader is, the other than you know what somebody who does what he said he's going to do is fighting for the American people and uh, getting positive results um, without committing sedition and uh, inciting an insurrection. I don't know. Um, but what what Democrats would be doing if it weren't for our hopefully not irreparably broken systems and Republican opposition. And Cliff, that's that's sort of where we started. Uh, the Dem- the Democrats, you know, I, I want I we I think we need to be talking about other issues and and help help our our viewers see the relevance of things that might seem far afield, like what's happening in Italy, Russia, Iran, et cetera, um, Mississippi. But you know, for the short term, six weeks out, they need to hammer on the Dobbs decision. And, you know, what's happening on a state-by-state basis. Arizona just passed this absolutely draconian uh, anti-abortion, or they allowed this very old law that basically makes women uh, completely subjects of the state. uh, And um, in a position The law was from 1864. Anybody know what was going on back then? Yeah. It's vague. It was big, but... It was big and it wasn't good, I feel like. Right. So... Yeah, and and you know, uh, we're we're in dire straits. However, all of that having been said, um, oh, and also not just not just uh, reproductive justice, but also you know, hopefully the January sixth committee is going to keep doing its brilliant work. And just as a reminder to everybody, we are live streaming that tomorrow at one one p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, and hopefully a bunch of the nerds are going to be there and some special guests as well. Uh, hooray! I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it worries me about myself to how excited I am for that. But uh, <laughs> that aside, I, I also want us on this show to start looking beyond the midterms because either way, whatever happens, obviously one way uh, we'll be happy and celebrating, but, you know, definitely uh gearing up for the next fight because this isn't over by any stretch and if we lose i don't know (laughs) you may not be hearing from me for a while i think i'll be sad and very depressed and worried but whatever happens we need to start looking at the long view uh we need to start looking back um have you seen ken burns's new documentary um okay so i would like at some point to do a show that uh looks at the American trajectory, not just in terms of uh, the, it's this, this country's quite disturbing and awful lack of response 
to what was happening uh, in Germany, both before and during World War II. But what's led us to this moment where America is on the brink? And let's, let's not kid ourselves. We are on the brink of becoming a fascist country, what the implications are for the American people and what the implications are for the entire world. Imagine an America that, like Italy, is pro-Orban, pro-Erdogan, pro-Xi, pro-Kim Jong-un. I mean, imagine how that shifts. Let, let me respond to that, Mary, in, in sure. a couple of ways. Um, the most disturbing survey uh, thing that I've seen uh, is... Uh, 33% of Americans would prefer a strong leader who uh, was not elected to mm -hmm. a weaker leader who was elected. The desire for a strong man is deeper than it should be by far. And I actually think a part of why DeSantis, who is a, a full-blown fascist, mm -hmm. um, yes. is likely to win re-election is basically because he's seen as a strong guy. And I'm sure now this hurricane is a godsend to him because, you know, because of the federal aid, he'll be out there talking about how we have to get aid to people and we're going to take care of all of these things. Uh, and people will respond to that. He looks strong when he does these ridiculous uh, stunts. Uh, but the other thing is just cringing as I watched Kirsten Cinema. Uh, at Mitch McConnell's center with him beside her about bipartisanship and saying that no matter what, she's not just sticking to the 60 uh, vote threshold in the Senate, but would like to restore it for all the nominations and confirmations, which would have meant if it had been in place that Joe Biden wouldn't have gotten a single judge and probably wouldn't have half his cabinet in place. That's right. And, you know, if Donald Trump disappeared tomorrow, these problems remain. And yep. the fact is, we're almost at a point in any case where 30% of Americans will elect 70 senators because 70% uh, yep. live in only 15 states. That's right. A minoritarian country where that minority believes in Orban-like rule. It's not out of the question, and it's beyond whatever Donald Trump has done to uh, be an accelerant in this process. Yeah, and, and Kirsten Cinema is, is so egregious uh, that, I, on the one hand, good because I think everybody hates her. Uh, she's underwater in every every political demographic, which is kind of fun. But the other damage she does is adding credence for some people to the idea that both sides are terrible because when it's coming from a Democrat, well, that must have some legitimacy, right? It's not just a par partisan thing because most people don't understand that Kirsten Cinema is not a Democrat and that any Democrats who supported her and, and worked to get her elected hate her guts now and feel totally betrayed right. by her. But that footnote doesn't, doesn't get uh, acknowledged. Um, so it, it that is a terribly disturbing uh, poll. There are a lot of disturbing polls. And I, Cliff, you mentioned earlier the one that said de democracy is is the leading issue of concern for Americans. But I want to see the breakdown. After, after, uh, oh, it's second now? Because it was first. Well, at least the one I saw. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's they're, they're toggling between first and second. But yeah. you know what? I'm not necessarily comforted by that because I bet a lot of Republicans are yeah. saying that, too, because they don't know what democracy is. Because yeah. all their politicians do is lie to them. And they tell them that we're the ones taking away their freedoms and we're exactly. the ones indoctrinating their kids in yeah, schools. Yeah, so that poll doesn't them, yeah. comfort me, uh, I, you know, uh, exactly. So because that's the other thing we need to do. We need to teach people what the hell democracy is. Right. Um, and and actually, to, Norm, to, to your point about strongman, I'm, I'm uh, speaking with Ruth Ben-Ghiat. Uh, oh, for awesome. Thursday's show, which I'm I'm really excited about. So if you guys have any questions for her, uh, let me know before then, um, because I think especially with the, the most recent elections and obviously with what's happening here, um, because, again, as Norm said, it doesn't Donald's is totally relevant 
at this point. And uh, I just want to repeat that in case he's listening. Donald, you're completely irrelevant. <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> but the damage has been done. And um, there are plenty of people like DeSantis who are more than happy and Yunkin more than happy to take up the mental. Um, right. All right. Today, the group of nerd Avengers was small, but mighty. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Norm Warren, this was a, bl- it was a, sort of nice to have, have uh, a small group so people had more time to expand upon their thoughts. Um, <laughs> so thank you. And hopefully I will see you tomorrow mm-hmm. for the live stream of the yep. next January 6th committee hearing. I'm inordinately excited about that. So thank <laughs> you. Thank you both uh, for being here today. Okay, bye. Great seeing you both. Thanks, guys. Thank you again to Norm and Cliff for being here today. We were a small group, but uh, I I think that that was just fascinating conversation about uh, a lot of issues we need to be concerned about, um, regardless of the midterms. But uh, in my view, it every time we talk, it just it just increases the urgency of of voting in November and winning and, and having Democrats win in November. Uh, so uh, just another reminder that we are live streaming the January 6th committee hearings tomorrow. Um, I think we're going to start at 1245 uh, for our pregame. Um, and then once the hearings start, we'll, we'll offer live commentary as appropriate. We, we will continue to, uh, analyze during the, they usually take a 10 minute break in the middle. We'll continue to analyze during that. And then of course we'll have our, our wrap up analysis at the end of the hearings uh, that we usually go for another 45 minutes or an hour, depending. Uh, I don't honestly know what the subject matter is yet, um, but uh, I'm sure if, if past this prologue, it's going to be another uh, incredible and enlightening and damning session. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. Um, and then Thursday, of course, as I mentioned, I will be speaking with the great Ruth Benyat, uh, and we will undoubtedly be talking about her book, Strongman, a lot, uh, as well as why everything she writes about in terms of authoritarians and authoritarian states is relevant right now. Uh, and that will be Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at youtube.com slash Politicon. And obviously, we will be here again next Tuesday uh, for our strategy session with the nerds. Uh, that's also at youtube.com slash Politicon at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And while you're on uh, Politicon's YouTube page, please subscribe to Politicon doesn't cost anything we just want to uh, increase our 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 numbers uh because that that helps everybody and uh like the episode leave a comment there also click on this bell so you uh will be automatically um informed when a new video drops because in addition to our regular episodes we have our emergency sessions we have our live streams of whether it's uh, a january 6 committee hearing or a, a, a relevant speech. Um, and we're also trying to figure out what to do on election day. Um, hopefully we'll come up with something good. And don't forget, oh wait, before I say this, uh, of course you can always listen to the show in podcast form on Apple or anywhere you listen. And if you leave us a five-star review, that would be greatly appreciated because it, it, uh, it does help other people find the show. Uh, leave a comment if you like. And on Friday, October 21st in Los Angeles, the very, very first live on stage in person, Mary Trump show with uh, maybe a nerd adventure or two. I don't know. And uh, maybe a special local guest. All of that's coming up. I'm so excited for that. And it may lead to, to more shows um, near you. If you're in LA, it would be absolutely amazing to see you there. The link is in the show notes and I'll, I'll keep reminding you 
Uh, and there's still plenty of time. I think we're three weeks out. Um, so yeah, plenty of time to get tickets. And that is it for today's episode of the Barry Trump Show strategy session with a very small but awesome group of Nerd Avengers. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we will see you tomorrow, 12 noon, sorry, 12.45 p.m. Eastern, 9.45 a.m. Pacific for the live stream of the J6 committee hearing. And then, of course, uh, Thursday at a regular show. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind. Thank mm -hmm. you.